This is AutoLine Extra, available exclusively on the internet. Here again is John McElroy. I'm talking right now with Bill Lee, the CEO and Chairman of Carbon Motors. Great to have you here talking on this extra oh, segment with us. Appreciate being here. You've got an automotive background. You were at the Ford Motor Company. You were at an effort called Build to Order, or BTO, and, and now starting Carbon Motors. Tell us about some of the lessons that you learned and how you're doing this company different than what, say, the industry has been doing traditionally. Uh, Ford Motor Company was a tremendous training ground. Some wonderful people there, some tremendous capabilities and a lot of issues. Uh, I've had a wonderful experience of working there for 10 years, 12 different jobs, focused on four different continents and almost every functional area. So I had a very good micro view of the company and the industry as well as a macro one. And so I resigned from Ford Motor Company at the end of uh, 1999 uh, with uh, the unsettling notion that what you see in the press today is what was going to happen to the industry. And uh, looking back, I, 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 can, I can recall several folks thinking, you're saying that it's less risky for you to go out and start a new in industrial firm than it is to stay in Detroit. And at my time, at that, at that point in time, my answer was yes, and today it's absolute yes. I think uh, the country's struggling through understanding the sector and what's happened and, and how to fix it. I mean, there's a wonderful amount of capabilities, especially in Southeast Michigan, but there are a tremendous amount of issues that people keep punting on that at some point in time, you know, the capital markets will teach a, a company how to operate. Absolutely right. So what are you doing differently with carbon motors? Uh, well, as you know, the auto industry works on a built-to-inventory type of basis. Even the most successful uh, OEMs across all the continents uh, build inventory and stick it on their dealer lots and, you know, perhaps, you know, a customer might come by and, and buy it. But they actually don't have a direct connection and some um, say that they build to order, but the order is actually from the dealer um, or what have you. What we've been focused on is building to a direct order from a direct customer and distributing directly and having a, a very different footprint for the company, very low fixed cost, maybe higher variable, uh, which uh, not having an intermediary between us and, and the customer. And then focusing for Carbon Motors Corporation, focusing on a customer that is not only underserved, is probably the polite way of saying it, um, but desperately needs a, a special, unique product. And coupling that with different technologies, proven products and proven processes that, quite frankly, have a lot to do with Detroit, and in a lot of cases have nothing to do with Detroit in terms of defense and homeland kind of technologies. Um, but, you know, space frame architecture, that's not a new thing. Right. Uh, engineered thermoplastic panels and having great tier one supplier partners like, uh, like a BA, uh, like, uh, like a Lear Corporation or BASF or, or even Lotus Engineering, um, those are all not new, mm -hmm. right? But the way to think about it and repackage it so you can actually leverage the assets that we do have to move forward. And especially having essentially no competition for a purpose built. Actually, the Carbon E7 is the world's first purpose-built law enforcement patrol vehicle. It's, uh, it's, Which is uh, an amazing it, statement, you know, for the automobile having been around for over a hundred years, that you're the first one to build a purpose-built police car. It, it finally settled in a few weeks ago that we've actually done something quite historic uh, in, in a very volatile marketplace and uh, economic uh, status of the, of the country. But if you think about it, this is the exact right time for the company and for the product. 
What do you think uh, the, the large mass production corporations could learn from what you're doing? Or does your business model even apply to them? I wouldn't be as uh, arrogant to suggest that I'm going to uh, teach some uh, very storied companies uh, what to do. I have my personal views of what needs to happen, but uh, they're going to learn on their own uh, or one way or the other. The capital markets will teach them. Um, I, I'll leave it to their own devices. We're a homeland security company, uh, very far removed from an OEM or uh, an automaker. There's a lot of technologies. We do have an engine and four wheels, but that's you know about the extent of it. Would you ever consider making this available to the public? I mean, to not just police agencies. I mean, what if somebody comes along and says, Bill, I, I got to have one of these cars? You're not the first. You're <laughs> not the first, but sorry. Uh, this is, uh, uh, civilians are not. Uh, <laughs> civilians not welcome. Huh? Yeah, sorry. Um, no, actually, that's a, actually a serious point. Uh, law enforcement has asked very clearly that, that this product never be put in civilians' hands. One of the problems that they're having today is when a vehicle gets decommissioned, a retail passenger car usually ends up as a taxi. Uh, the criminal elements going into these auctions and purchasing a white Crown Victoria with you know the little spotlights on it and doing drug trafficking, doing all sorts of things that uh, basically are impersonating an officer. So our, our first, my first response is it's not going into the civilian market. Second response is this is actually a global issue. Right? If you look at law enforcement around the globe, this is the same problem different badge on the actual car, but the same issue. And we have had a tremendous amount of desire from other countries to have this vehicle uh, either produced or shipped there. Um, and how wonderful would it be to actually export a durable good from this country? And that is indeed our plan. But we need to take care of home first. Mm -hmm. uh, but the other folks are going to have to get in line. So what's your vision at end of use? I mean, uh, at, at the end uh, of this right. thing, you're not going to allow these police departments no, no, no. To, to sell them. So at the end of its life, we will take back uh, the vehicle and we'll do one of several things with it. Uh, one, in some cases the, cases, the agencies have a relationship with the county next door and would like us to facilitate them transferring a, a used vehicle. Uh, second, uh, you know, one thing we could learn from the retail side is certified used is actually, you know, would apply here. Yeah. Um, so being able to uh, do some inspection, replace some parts, and, and sell the certified used product, which will, again, lower their operating costs. In a past life, I, I did a uh, $250 million roll-up in the used parts industry, uh, and it is actually common practice for some agencies to take uh, vehicles and use used parts and reuse them to lower their maintenance costs. So we can disassemble or dismantle the vehicle into say 10 to 20 large modules and be able to sell those used parts. And then lastly, uh, we're targeting for obviously the vehicle to be over 95% recyclable and making sure that the raw materials uh, get taken care of appropriately. So we actually have that proper closed loop. Bill, this is a fascinating story. Again, thanks so much for coming in and sharing everything that you're doing at Carbon Motors. I appreciate it, John. Thank you very much indeed.